Hey everyone, I'm your host, Alex Taylor, co-founder of Parallel. Welcome to Parallel Lives, a podcast where we learn about the tireless yet vibrantly challenging role the women we admire most live in parallel to their careers and personal pursuits, becoming and being a mom. I am so excited about today's guest, Pia Barangini. She is not only the founder and creative director of LPA, one of my favorite brands for dresses available at Revolve. She's also the host of one of my favorite podcasts, which is called Everything is the Best. She's the CMO of Gaia Kashmir, and she's also the co-founder of everyone's favorite olive oil brand, Barancini Import & Co. She had a baby girl last year and has been a huge supporter of Parallel, and I have been a longtime fan and admirer of her, and I'm so excited to share our conversation today. Hi, Pia. Thank you so much for doing the pod today. I so appreciate it. I'm like you your biggest be. fan, and you know how much I love Parallel. Oh, thank you, and I'm right back at you. Um, I know you're so crazy and busy with so much going on, running a business, having a babe, all the things. Um, but I'd love to take a step back and go to the beginning mm-hmm. and ask you a question. Um, did you always know that you wanted to be a mom? Yeah, my home videotapes when I was really little are me saying like, oh, I'll have a baby. Like my baby's going to be named blah, blah, blah. You know, that was always really at the forefront of my mind for sure. Yeah. So you had that maternal instinct from day one. Yeah, very yeah. much so. It's interesting. I see that even with my daughter, she just instantly goes for the baby doll and is trying to mother it. Do you see that with with Carmela? She's so little. No, she's just like... No, she has like a, I don't, she doesn't have a, she has one doll. She hasn't really played with like, she right now just has like developmental toys, but she doesn't have things yet that are, and it's funny because I I keep wanting to get a tattoo for her and Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't just want to get her name. Like I was like, I have to wait and see like what her, like I still sleep with my Mm -hmm. teddy bear. So I'm like, you know, whatever her animal is, she has so many, like, I was like, oh, I'll end up just getting that probably, but she doesn't have preference. She has this little turtle. That makes it's really colorful. Like each arm, when you squish it, like some there's like foil inside, whatever. And there's a little mirror on its stomach. And now she does this thing where she sets it so the mirror's up, and she slowly brings her face to the mirror and like kisses it, and then slowly comes back. And she does it over and over. <laughs> it's really fun. Like who is that baby in there? <laughs> She's like admiring herself a lot in that little mirror. So were there ever periods, though, throughout your life where you couldn't imagine becoming a mom or didn't see that fitting into your life? I mean, my entire 20s. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about like, that. What What were you doing before and... you became a mom? <laughs> I mean, I, I really had, like, I look back on it with a little bit of, like, cringe factor for myself, mm-hmm. which is, like, how wild I was. But I had a great like, like I like lived my twenties really well. I moved to New York at 18. I went to Parsons school of design. Um, I left college like, you know, I have like a year left technically, um, but to start working and I was a waitress. I had like every job under the sun in New York. I lived there for eight years. Like I had the best time. I like traveled. I like worked my ass off. 
I mean, I always was like really big on like falling in love and like finding my like true partner and my soulmate. And so I think when you're someone like that, who's like really intense and wants love, you have to be really careful of making sure you're not making relationships work that like shouldn't work. Um, and so, you know, I had, I've had four boyfriends in my life and they were all really instrumental in teaching me like the exact right amount of things that I needed to lead up to meeting my husband. There wasn't like any point in time in my twenties when I was like, Oh, I would want to be a young mom. Like I was pregnant in my twenties with a boyfriend and was like, this is not responsible, you know, like at all. So yeah, I definitely, my mom always said that children make things better and they can make things worse. So she was always really big on, on, choosing the right partner and having that be at the forefront of everything like David and I put each other I know this like like even when I was pregnant we were always like the like we come first you know like the baby is in addition and our whole life but like there is no like I'm never like the baby needs like I'm like are you good we're good you know I'm not I don't like use her as like an instrument to like yeah. So smart. It's so smart. I mean, because only then can you really give your children a safe and supported place when, you know, mom it's and dad are, are ironclad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So did you feel that when you met Davi Day and you knew you would build a life together, that the idea of motherhood became very real for you? I knew that I had to marry him because even early on, when we were laying in bed together, I was like, that's like, I have to have kids with this person. It, w- it was like a weird, like, even when he was still just like this kind of like Hawkeye that I was sleeping with, like, you know what I mean? Like that I was like dating, you know, that I was like in this like whirlwind with totally, even though I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. Like we don't even really understand each other very well. Like, but I, there was, I would wake up and like, look at him and I'd be like, Oh my God, you're going to be the father of my child one day. Wow. That That is such a cool feeling. Mm -hmm. And did you wake up one day just feeling like you were ready when once you guys did end up getting together or we were engaged? I was kind of like, okay, like, is it should we try? Like, when do we start trying? Like, how does this? And then I was like, well, I definitely don't want to be which it wouldn't be a problem. But I was like, I don't think I want, you know, if we're going to try, I was like, obviously, and want to be pregnant at the wedding right after we got married and I think the wedding was really overwhelming for him he never wanted a wedding so like that was a really kind of like a stressful moment in our relationship because he definitely was like what the fuck is going on like we're spending how like that's gonna cost like you know what we paid for it ourselves yes and it's not like he always thought he would like elope with the like that was what was in his mind was like eloping to a beach somewhere with whoever he was going to be with and I grew up watching Father of the Bride and was like I need that kind of wedding so um the night of the wedding we were dancing and he said let's make a baby and I thought that was really cute that's so sweet so we went to the doctor um Mm -hmm. because I (laughs) I naively thought um you know that they would look to see if I had any cysts or make sure there was, you know, just do an ultrasound of my uterus to make sure everything was working mm-hmm. and tell me how many follicles I had, like do. And the doctor said, um, he was so, it pains me because he delivered me and he's our neighbor and he's like a cute old man, but he was 
so that whole meeting was so disappointing and I think completely irresponsible. And he said, at your age, the likelihood of you getting pregnant is the same as a 20, as an active sexual 20 year old in college on birth control. And how old were you at the time? 32. Wow. Wow. So rude. I know. And then he said, just try for six months. And if you're not pregnant, come back in six months. And I was like, nothing else. Like he didn't tell you what to do, how to care for yourself, how to check. So what did you do? Just tried for a long time and had a miscarriage and then tried again and wasn't getting pregnant. This IVF doctor's like PR person reached out to me, which I don't think an IVF doctor should have a PR person. And was like, we'd love Dr. Blah, blah, blah to be on your podcast. And I was like, oh, and they were like, also, you know, it was like the PR person had seen on my Instagram that I said that I had a miscarriage and that getting pregnant was taking like way longer than I had expected and how like doctors were being really frustrating and not helping me. And they were kind of like, oh, we could help you. Like, let's get him on the podcast. Like, why don't we do like a live on Instagram? And why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And Um, and we also, we can get you in with him. It takes really, you know, it's a really long time to get in with him. So let's get you. And so, you know, then he like called me on my cell phone and and was like, Oh, you know, I'm so sorry for what you went through and like really like manipulated me to feel like we were friends and he was doing something out of the goodness of his heart. And basically was like, at your age, like, we just really need to go straight to IVF. Like you'll come in and do everything, but like, you know, especially if you want to have two kids and you're kidding me. No, it was horrible. And then I ended up like and a then, and I, car salesman. Like, it was like this, super, is my this is so important. How can yeah. you? It wow. was super salesman-y. And, and so I went and like did all the stuff. And how long have you been trying by this point though? Two years, almost two years. And, and then he told me that with the results that I would never get pregnant, like, like, it was like some number that he calculated and he was like, well, your number is below blah, blah, blah. So like, yeah, I mean, you're not going to get pregnant. And, and if you do, it's just not wow. going to stick. Like this is really your only choice. And, and I had a really bad feeling about it. I didn't like it. And I remember, you know, if you pay like an extra $5,000, which I didn't, um, you can have access to his assistant. And so, you know, it's VIP. What? It's, yeah. So that was include that, you know, he was like, oh, I'll throw that in for free. If you have me on the podcast. Or we were so fucking gross. And, and wow. so I called her crying and I was like, this feels really wrong. Like, I don't understand how someone out of nowhere could tell me that I can't have a baby on my own. Like, I have such a bad feeling about this. And I was crying to her. And I was also like, I, I, like, I'm, by the way, like, and he was like, yeah, we should do like two rounds to make sure. And I was like, so. I was, you're going to casually tell me that I'm going to have probably go like a hundred thousand dollars into debt. Like I don't have a hundred thousand dollars sitting around. Like, and by the way, IVF is an incredible tool and thank God for it. And I just had a feeling that it didn't sit right. There was like something that wasn't sitting right. And she said, listen, like my number was the same and now I have three healthy kids and like, I'm so thankful for my babies. And like, mm-hmm. I, you know, and that made me feel a little bit better. And I was like, you know what? This has been at the forefront of our mind for way too long. Every month, it's like we're having sex like rabbits, and then I get a negative test, and then we're depressed, and then it's like, okay, it's time again. You know, we weren't even making love in the meantime. We were, like, having sex to make a baby, and that's, like, not us at all. Like, and so it just – and we were fine, but it – you know, it, was, it wasn't it was like we were fighting. I know that puts a lot of tension on relationships, like – 
we were both just like, we had had like such a hard couple of years with like our parents dying, like his mom died, my dad died. And we were kind of like, God damn it. Like, and I was like, I am taking a break. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to get in shape and get a routine back because, you know, it was like COVID. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was drinking a lot. And I was like, I just want to enjoy myself and like connected with you. And I'm going to give myself five months of cruising and like being my best self. And we'll try again and I'll approach it in that way with her, you know, plan it out and I'll approach it like a, like a badass. I'll look at it like it's like, you know, from a math and science perspective to get the best quality eggs. But like in the first month I stopped trying is when I conceived my daughter. (laughs) No, very similar experience. It's very funny. Mm -hmm. Realize so much of it can also just be stress from the situation and the pressure and all, I mean, who knows, but also what a like winding road to get to that point after all that. And did you learn it other than him saying that you'd likely have to go the IVF route? No. And then I went to a doctor afterwards, um, Dr. Mercy, who I love. And she was like, oh, you have PCOS. <laughs> like, she was like, oh, well, there you go. And is that how you were diagnosed? You went to her and were you sharing some of your symptoms or was that one of the causes of? Yeah. Someone told me, who was it? Oh, my facialist. My facialist who I died for said that her daughter was going through some hormonal stuff that was making her have like mood swings. Like she was like my daughter, you know how, like when you're young and she was like, she's in like this funky place. And she was like, her therapist said that she needed to go on medication. And she was like, my daughter's need to go on medication. I think that there's an imbalance. And she, this is so funny. Then she talked to a medical medium and the medical medium said, There's, your daughter doesn't have bipolar. Your daughter has a hormone imbalance. She needs to find a doctor and recommended a mercy. Oh <laughs> my gosh. And That's so she's like bonkers. telling me the story. She gave me a facial and she said, my daughter went off birth control, started taking magnesium and got her hormones in balance. Oh, took vitamin D and magnesium and went back to being her, her previous self. And wow. I was like, I gotta get in with this doctor. So and saw her and she said right away, she was like, you know, did an internal ultrasound and she was like, Look at the shape of your ovaries, they're oblong. Like you've had, you know, mm-hmm. you, I mean, I just hit every mark for it. And she was like, You have so many eggs, like you have so many follicles in here. Like what I even thought a couple of weeks ago, she was like, You're not gonna have a problem getting pregnant, we'll put you on fucking clomet. Like wow, you know. And I was like, okay, great. I mean, who knows? Like, it'll be so interesting to see what'll happen when we start trying again. Yeah. And so with PCOS, that's polycystic ovarian ovary syndrome, right? It's pretty prevalent. I think there's 5 million women in the United States who yeah, suffer it's like from one in it. three or something yeah. crazy. Deeply diag- undiagnosed. Do you take anything to support yourself with that beyond? Yeah, I'm on metformin. Um, you can take... Iversatrol or something. You can buy, you literally type in like PCOS on Amazon and there's one that's, it's, it's a mixture of two supplements. Myo and acetyl. Yeah. We're coming out with a product for it soon. So we'll send it to you. Are you? Um, yeah, we are. Yeah. I was doing like, it was that. And then um, I'm on metformin and then I'm like really trying to balance my blood sugar because it makes it really hard to lose weight. Yeah. Yeah. Just got it. 
Wow. So then you got pregnant with Carmela. Mm-hmm. And how was the pregnancy? Fine. I was like cruising. Yeah. I mean, I felt like shit my first trimester, like everybody. It was really exhausting and scary. And I think your first trimester is like, it's so sad what an awful time it can be because you're not really supposed to share with anybody. And then you're scared. And every week is like, you know, so what I did actually, um, which was a godsend. And I tell everybody to do this. I went to my doctor every week and had my blood drawn to see if my HGH was doubling and where my progesterone levels were because of my PCOS. I have very low progesterone. That's, oh, that's also what I'm taking. I take progesterone two weeks out of the month. And that way I felt in control because if they called me the next day and said it doubled again, I could have another week where I could feel good. Like it was sticking. And if it didn't, you know, double that I was like, okay, I can mentally prepare myself that like maybe next week I'm not going to have good news. I really being able to go week by week and know if my hormones were doing what they needed. And on top of that, I ended up realizing, which I'm just low on progesterone anyway. They were like, oh, your progesterone dropped a lot. So we need to put you on progesterone. And when I had the miscarriage last time, my progesterone was so, 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 so low. So I was like, I just felt like I was being like really proactive, you know? Yeah. And that was that's really, so really great. And then my second trimester, I was cruising. I was like, it was like this cloud had lifted and I was working out and I was going out and I just was like, wanted to do everything and anything. And then, yeah, my third trimester, I was just, I was like really, shoot, I was really big. Like my stomach was like 50 or I was like Isn't it amazing? Pounds. Like, yeah. It's amazing what our bodies do and how much, you know, our, our bodies just go on autopilot. They know what to do. And yet, you know. I, I, there were moments where I felt so disconnected because I was like, how did my body know to do this? And I don't know I what know. it's doing. I know. It's so cool. It's mother nature's grace. It's just so cool. It's really cool. I love being pregnant. I mean, it was, I was like, at the end, I was just like, get me out of this thing because I was so big. I didn't get like swollen, yeah. which was nice. Like it didn't hurt to walk, but like, I definitely was like, it was like hard to get in and out of the car. It was like hard to get in and out of bed. Like, but I was still ripping around. Like we were at dinner. Like I was like, I want to eat at all my fabulous restaurants that I love. Like I just wanted to distract myself as much as possible. Yeah, good. Well, you're, well, I'm glad you had a good, smooth pregnancy. And during that time, though, you wear a lot of hats. I mean, you've got a lot on your plate career-wise, and obviously, personally, setting up a new home with your partner. That's a lot happening at once. Were you, did you ever have moments where you felt a little scared about having this new role of a mother on top of everything else? And how did you get through that mentally? I was more stressed when I was pregnant about what the hell I was going to do when there was a baby here than what really, what was really hard was everyone telling me that I needed a night nurse. And like all of my like friends who, you know, don't necessarily like work or like have the desire to work or my friends who like do work, like, and you know, we're like, I work to be able to afford things like this, which is like help and a night nurse. And everyone was like, there's no way you can do this without a night nurse. And, and it was such a weird point of contention with so many people, so many different aspects of my life kept telling me like, even like a girlfriend of mine gave birth and like sent out like, she was like, okay, like 
it's been three months and like, here's everything that I did and like what I would recommend and not recommend. And it was so many different people and like things that were all so expensive. And it was like, you definitely need a night nurse for the first month, but like I recommend it for six months. And, but, and I was just like, okay, that's just like not in the financial cards right now. And then I also was like, I, I can do it. Like, uh, so, so I would sit at dinner a lot in my third trimester after like coming home from hanging out with some of my friends and I would cry a lot. And I would say like, I don't know if I can do this. Like everyone keeps telling me I'm never going to sleep again. And everybody keeps telling me that kids do this. And like, everybody keeps telling me about these regressions and everybody keeps telling me that this is hard. And like, what am I walking into? It was like, nobody, nobody ever looked at me and said, you are built for this. People have been having children since the dawn of time. Like, by the way, we're within a group of very fucking privileged people. So we're not even speaking of like women who get like two weeks off and have to go back to a full-time job and drop their kids at daycare. Like it, or don't, you can't even afford to do that. You know, like it just felt all really like disconnected and I feel very connected to myself and my partner and to my mom and to my capabilities. And so having everyone externally tell me I couldn't do it was, sorry, the dog was the hardest part of the pregnancy for me. And then, and then she came and I was like, we're cruising. Like, and everyone was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, she feeds every three hours. And they were like, isn't it exhausting? And I was like, no, because she eats at nine, 12, three, six, nine. Like that's easy. I usually don't go to sleep until now I go to bed much earlier, but I was like, I usually don't go to sleep until midnight anyway. So I'm all, so it, I feed her and then I hand her to day. He changes her. And then, it, and it's like, I was like, it's all fine. Like it's so manageable, but a lot of my friends, really you, get, you get to that point though. And you realize it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And why, why was I suffering just thinking about it and you realize you don't need to suffer twice <laughs> no you don't need to suffer twice that's so good no I was torturing myself worried about it and I was like and sure there were moments where we were like oh my god this is so tiring and like mm-hmm. or she's upset what is it oh she has gas okay let's like but it's like it wasn't anything that I was felt gonna break us like it was just like we had a baby I mean I also have so funny my girlfriend like I remember like a week after Carmela was born, they were having a dinner party at their house and we went out to dinner and they were like, you're out. And I was like, yeah, we're at dinner. And she was like, we stop by on the way home. And I was like, sure. And so we stopped by and I was breastfeeding, you know, when her was like nine o'clock. And so I was feeding her and she was like, I think this is easy for you because you've had a lot of puppies. <laughs> I do think dogs help. I really do. Cause I fostered puppies that had to be bottle fed you know, before and I've had to wake up and feed puppies all night long. So I was like, I guess, I guess I did like semi-train for this already. Yeah. Yeah. When I talk to friends who didn't have dogs or I think dogs are a little bit different than cats versus those that did, (laughs) it was an easier transition for all the dog, dog owners (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Because we're used to like, yeah, puppies are like having a baby. <laughs> they are. And they can walk right out of the womb. I mean, they're walking and chewing on everything. It's it's a lot. I sometimes think that sometimes they're a little trickier. Sometimes. Yeah. So your pregnancy was pretty smooth. You had Carmela. Tell me a little bit more about your birth story. I know you had an amazing doula who I've actually chatted with and is a lovely human, by the way. My actual birth 
was pretty much what I wanted. I mean, it's so funny now. I feel like now there's like this type of girl and I, and I know her because I am her. That's like not ready to do an at home birth and like kind of scared of that. And then, but like wants to experience that. So like everyone ends up with this middle ground where it's like, I just want to labor at home as long as possible and then go to the hospital. And, you know, I keep, it's like, it's so funny. So I don't know. Like I was talking to Elsa Hoss about this the other day because I was like, your birth story is insane. And she was like, I mean, but it was like so incredible. And, and like, I really wanted like a natural birth. Like I would always watch YouTube videos of natural births and I would look at Dobby day. And I would say like, that's what I want. Like, I want to be able to to do that physical feat. Like I want that to be my win. Like I want to be a fucking lion. Like I want <laughs> I love it. Getting an epidural is the best fucking thing in the world. There is no reason to suffer. I don't know who I thought I was trying to prove something to. It was such a fucking joke. Like you wouldn't get a tooth pulled with no fucking anesthesia to try to prove something to somebody about how tough you are. So I admire everybody who wants to do a home birth. I think it's incredible. I think trying to labor at home and then knowing this is not your final destination is, is screwy because you can't like settle in because as the pain gets worse and worse, I'm thinking like, I have to get in the car. Like I have to then check into the hospital. Like I have to then get into a room. And so where I really messed up was, it's something that I'm processing right now. I spent so much time talking about the birth that I wanted. And like, it's really just not that deep. Like, it's so like, birth is like a couple day thing, you know, and then it's like over and then like a beep. So it's just, and I think now I'm like, oh, I can't wait to give birth because it's like, great. I'll be like, it's just like, let's get her out. You know, however this baby needs to get out. If it's like, just when you're a first time parent, you have all these, what was, what my huge mistake was, is like, I wanted to labor at home because this house is so special. Like my dad died right here. And like, this is the room where I was laboring. And like, I was conceived in this room because this was my parents' bedroom when I was growing up. My daughter was conceived in this room. Like my parents were married here. I was married here. And like, my mom was like, unfortunately, like made to feel like she was like excluded. Like when I went into labor, like she went to bed because she didn't feel she felt like I had my my doula or my midwife. And like, there was almost going to be like too many like we had spent so much time like her training Dobby Day to do like what he needed to do. And like, I really just needed my mom. And like, and like, I haven't talked about this yet. And it's like, I want to cry even thinking about it. And like, it'll be one of the biggest regrets of my life that like, and I don't want to blame anyone. I definitely, as soon as I went into labor, Davide started freaking out. And then I didn't have like anyone comforting me. And like the pain was so bad. And it was just kind of like, oh yeah, like you're like, this is it. You know, like this is what labor pains are like. But like, my mom should have been here with me and like my mom should have been comforting me because I went straight into active labor. I didn't have transitional labor. And so it went from zero to extreme pain really fast. And I just started crying and was really uncomfortable and just like really didn't want to like, I, I felt really unsafe and 
when I got to the hospital, I had a bad check-in experience because the nurse, it's not their fault. It's like, and that's also the thing. It's like, everyone's just doing their best. Like there's something wrong. Like it's like, everyone's like, Oh, what a horrible experience. Like, what do you mean her government? Like the, the nurse had to go on her lunch break. She had just, the Mm -hmm. hospital clearly should have had another nurse. But the nurse, the labor and delivery nurse had just delivered a baby. So she technically legally had to take an hour long lunch break. So when I got to the hospital, they put me in triage and they were like, you have to be in here for an hour. And my, my labor was getting so intense. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I want an epidural. And my doula or my midwife kept saying to Davide, which is totally true and fair. Like she's going to say she wants an epidural, but she might not want it. Like, because they'll say whatever that you know like she's going to be in so much pain so like so she's going to say things that she doesn't mean and so I had a code word and I didn't it was the pain was so bad that I was like the fact like a code word is ridiculous like what I'm saying is what I mean and I was like I need an epidural so they were like we don't do it in triage and but and then when we got there the nice epidural guy came by and was like you don't have to do this I'm here to relieve this pain from you. If it turns into suffering, please call me. And we were like, okay. But he's like, but just know it could take up to 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, noted. (sighs) Okay. Well then he leaves and then it got really bad. And I was like, I want an epidural. And I hear Davide in the hallway going, she wants an epidural. And then like whispering to the nurse, like, I don't really know if she wants an epidural. And I go, I'm not fucking around. And he goes, I don't think you're fucking around. I was like, I'm not fucking around. I'm not fucking around. And, and then, and then triage nurse, like she's seen a million people all day long. She was like tired and over it. And I was like, I feel like I'm going to die. And she's like, you're going to be fine. You're not going to die. And I was like, I really feel like I'm going to die. And she's like, well, we can't, you can't get an epidural in this room. Like you got to get it together. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, there is a cord on that machine in the corner and I will use it to hang myself. I will kill myself and my child if I don't get an epidural because the pain is not worth it. I cannot survive this. And then the epidural guy came. Oh my God. And it was fine. And then the pain went away. And by the way, I was in so much pain. I wasn't dilating. So Mm -hmm. yeah. But isn't it wild that I had a similar experience in that I didn't want to have an epidural. I changed my course and Unfortunately, with my first, it was too late to even get the epidural to kick in. Uh, my second, I got that epidural the second I got to the hospital. But why do we have this idea that we have to be such martyrs, you know? And and then when you go through it, you're like, oh, well, like, I mean, everyone, you do you, but you realize it's not make or break of that experience. No. Yeah. So the whole time with your birth plan, were you planning to give birth at home and then you had the shift midway where you No, I wanted to labor here as long as possible. Labor and home. Then, okay. Yeah, I, I was this idea. I don't know, David and I had talked about it. He was so cute. He kept asking all of his different friends. Like, you know, if you talk to somebody who gave birth at home and they had a good experience, they're like, you got to give birth at home. The hospitals are the worst. Like, it's so scientific and they don't do this. And blah, 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 blah. And then you talk to somebody who gave birth at a hospital and they're like, why would you ever give birth at home? Why would you want to be in pain for that long? Like, what if something goes wrong? You know, it's like, it's all just personal preference and it's like all totally fine. I wanted to labor. I had this idea that I was going to be laboring here and moaning through the contractions, but we'll have my dogs with me and feel so yummy and safe and it would be so good. 
and it just hurt and I was uncomfortable and I was like, we got to get to the hospital. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So after she arrived, you came back home. What were those first few days like? And I'm mostly interested in your relationship with yourself, actually. Did you feel a change when you came home with her? No, I'm the, I'm not going to be exciting. Like, this isn't going to be like, I was like, she's here. I so overly prepared for when she got here and everything was like so clean and the fridge was so organized. There was like an abundance of food and like recipes for everyone to make because I didn't, everyone was like, you're not going to get out of bed for a month. I didn't leave my bed for a month. Like, and then I was, and I, and I lay down and I had her and then I was like, okay, cool. Kind of got her into like uh, every three hours thing. And I was like so tired of like laying in bed pregnant we went out to dinner like I gave birth on Tuesday we went out to dinner on a Friday like I was like I can't sit here anymore like I can't I've been sitting here my third because also you know again COVID like I've been working from home so I was like working from my bed I was just like I gotta get out of this house like I want to like be in the world and like put clothes on and like move around and have a cocktail and like completely completely so yeah. I mean, I just like, and everyone was like, how are you going to work? And I was like, what do you mean? Like she's sleeping 90% of the day. So it's like, she was sleeping. I was like, I would just open my computer and like answer emails and like work. And then I would take a shower the next shift. Like it all wasn't all the things that everyone said are going to be awful was all totally fine. Now it's harder. This is hard now. Yeah. I, I think those first two months, you're right. They sleep so much or, or many of them sleep a lot. And then they wake up. <laughs> I would pay so much money to have her sleep now. So did you, you didn't take a maternity leave or did you? I didn't. I could, I mean, I didn't have the company that I, I mean, I have a lot of freelance work and then I have like my full-time job doesn't have maternity. Like, you know, it's like government assistance. And I was like, well, I can't even afford this. And then LPA at the time didn't have like, you know, in his art, like my, design assistant who I'd had for years mm-hmm. quit he like had like most people had like a COVID realization that like he wasn't on the path that he wanted and wanted to pursue his mm-hmm. career in a different way and like was having a really hard time doing what we were doing from home and like and so he quit like a month before I gave birth and so everyone was like how are you gonna not work and I kept being like how am I going to not work I, yeah it's not possible who's gonna post anything on Instagram or like who's going to be in the fittings and like, who's going to make, like, I was like, I didn't take maternity leave actually, unfortunately with either child. Yeah. Um, Did you ever feel resentful though, that you couldn't just totally unplug and have a minute? No, I have too much when I, you know, like last week I went out to lunch for like two hours on like a Tuesday and like the guilt I have Like, on the weekends, I enjoy myself fully. Like, there's days I lay in bed. Like, I I get hungover on Saturdays because I love to go out on Fridays. Like, I, like, lean in to give – like, we live a life where we, like, very much enjoy ourselves to balance out how hard we work, for sure. But, like, on a weekday, like, I just don't think – like, for me, I'm, like, if I want to, like – be miss boss lady like I don't need to be like not working on like a Wednesday like it's so it's not healthy yeah it's the guilt I have I'm just like 
because I'm like, who am I to think I'm better than like sending a couple emails? Like I can, I can send a couple emails, you know, it's, it's a, it's a unhealthy. Yeah. I get it. it. I don't know. How did you feel? Kind of the same, truthfully. I mean, I just, it, it, it was also, I felt like I'm also privileged to have my own company That's and to how be I feel. these things. And I do have enough health and ability to, to keep the trains running. And like you, there was a period where I was, you know, the breadwinner and a lot of those similar dynamics. So I don't think it's wrong to feel that way. I think it's, it's fine and it's what it is. And yeah, I wasn't being a martyr about it either. I wasn't like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, I'm not like, I never bring it up. Like, I'm always just like, what it is. Yeah. Something that a woman in my baby group told me was when you're doing things with your child, even the most mundane things, you know, I'm always home for dinner and I do bath and oh yeah. why do I only get to do the not fun stuff with her? But then I think, and this woman told me, if you can just be fully present and a hundred percent there during the caretaking times, during diaper changes, feeding, bath, that is the most important bonding time your child has with you is when you're actually caring for them if you're 100% present. So I always remind like remind myself of that. I'm like, okay, if I can just be fully here, she's getting a really All good- All of you. Yeah. I'm trying to not be on my phone in front of her. Like I'll notice at bath time because it's 530. It's still like I'll sit down and she'll be occupied and I'll just grab my phone and start doing stuff. And then she'll like look up at me. And I'll be like, oh my God, you're seeing the back of my phone. Like, I'm so sorry. And so I don't even, I try to just not even bring it in the bathroom anymore. It's so tough. It's so tough. Yeah, because I don't want her to have screen time. So how am I going to tell her that she can't if I do it all the time? It's super critical. Absolutely. Not that I think we're equals because I don't. Like, I'm very like, babies are babies. But yeah. With my son, I've explained, mom has a business. I'm going to be on my phone sometimes. But for those caretaking moments, meals, et cetera, I try to still stick to my whole fully focused on them thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So shifting gears, your relationship with Dobby Day, how did it change if at all pre-baby to post-baby? Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's just gotten better. I just love him so much. It's crazy the amount of love you feel after you have a baby. I I remember I couldn't believe how much more I I loved my husband. Even Our anxiety is high because like he's in Italy right now and i mean we were long distance when we first started dating like the guy has traveled so much of our relationship because obviously he's only ever worked for italian companies and then now his companies everything is made there but like when he left this time like we both were like he, he we i mean he like cried going to the airport like he was just like we were both. We were both like, it's unnatural for us to be separated from each other. Like this is like, I mean, we're yeah, we're just more in love than we've ever been, and it's given me a really increased level of anxiety, of like, and panic. Like every time he leaves the house, I'm like, I hope nothing happens to him. Like I hope nothing happens to her. I hope nothing happens. Like I just very am now like scared that someone is gonna get in a car accident or you know I have all those paranoid mom. All the stuff that my mom, I remember my best friend and I, when we lived together in New York, we would always make fun of our moms because Alicia, she would always be like, God, this woman is always just death and destruction, sending me articles of like girls getting horrible things happening to young girls our age in the city. And like, what the hell? Like, we were always like, God, you guys are so lame. And now I'm like, 
Oh my god! No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> life, you you basically sign up for a lifetime of worry because everything is so precious to you. You know, we want to hold on to everything so tight. I know. I understand why my Italian grandparents would always freak out. You know, when someone was driving with the kids somewhere or something. You know, it's just it's so scary. Yeah. The honestly, the hardest part, and I'll be like very honest about this. The hardest part about um and i hate to say it because i only just want to encourage everybody to love themselves as much as possible but really the hardest part about all this has been like that i've like barely lost any weight in the eight nine months since i've had my child and that's like really really frustrating like and it's not it's just like like because my weight has been up and down so much my whole life and i feel like i'd like finally gotten it under control and i'm like oh great i'm back to like where i was since i was 12 which is like dreading summer because like i don't want to be in a bathing suit in front of people and now i'm like nothing even like nothing even fits me right now so it's like one of the it's like do i buy stuff you know so i'm working hard on and you know i don't know even like the other day i was like laying in the bathtub and Davide walked by and i like covered myself and he was like i love you like it doesn't but I, I, you know, that you can appreciate, but it is, it's tough. Like, I mean, it took me over a year to even start to feel like, you know, I, I had a moment where I kind of mourned the fact that I'm never going to have the body I had back and it's different now, Mm -hmm. but I didn't, I wasn't one of those girls that instantly lost weight right after the baby. I mean, you're, you're nine months out. I know, but it's crazy. And it's, it's so funny because everyone's like, everybody's different, but it's like, okay, in the, you know, I know a lot of people. It's not like I don't, it's not like I just have my friends from high school. I know a fuck ton of people. And I'll tell you, 99% of them, but six months were basically back to like where they were before. So for, for that to be my reality, I'm just like, ugh. You know, but I knew that it would. And so now, but also, by the way, that's PCOS stuff. So I'm totally like working through that. And it's really shallow. So I don't want to, I always am hard on myself about it because I feel like it's a shallow topic. But now I really am like, you know what I keep saying too? It's like, okay, like hopefully, I mean, hopefully we at least have one more, if not a couple more kids. And like, that's going to take place over the next few years. And then it's such a short period of time compared to like the rest of my life. So I'm like, Exactly. Not being like a shallow asshole for just like the next couple of years. And then you'll be able to get right back to wherever you want to be. It's not shallow. Stop yeah, you know what I mean? Because like, I just want to be like encouraging of everybody. Feel good. So I and there's nothing that. wrong with wanting to feel good. No, you know, And not. we all have our different ways that we feel good. And I think that's, that's fair. And it's fine. I also get like, and I know this is really like mom relatable, especially because of COVID us working from home. Like, you know, I put on like a nice sweater every day and then I'm always like, I just rotate my sweatpants. <laughs> and so, and Dominic goes to his store every day. So he's so handsome. And there are days where he gets home and I'm like in the exact same thing. Like, I'll like be like, oh, I'm going to get a workout in. I'm rearranging my schedule now to have non negotiable workout times and walks and all those kinds of things. Um, but I, <laughs> I like, you know, he'll get home and I'm still in the same thing. And I'll be like, I'm so sorry. I look like shit. And in my paranoid head, I'm like, oh my God, like he's going to like some hot girls going to go into the store. who's like young and has like a banging body and is going to flirt with him. And he's going to be like, oh, I remember when Pia was like that. And he's going to cheat on me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> never, never, never. Okay. Well, we'll start to wrap up a little bit. Um, but before we do, 
I want to know what is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself since becoming a mom? I don't think there's anything surprising, more so I'm just really proud of myself. Good. I was so scared that I like couldn't do it and like I'm doing it all great. You are. You are. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Parallel Lives. Stay tuned for new episodes and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like today's show, we'd be forever grateful if you take a moment to rate and review us. You can find us online at parallelhealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L health.com or on Instagram at Parallel Health. I'm Alex Taylor and you've been listening to Parallel Lives. Thanks so much for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by Parallel. We are a prenatal vitamin and supplement solution that adapts to your changing body's needs throughout your motherhood journey. All of our products offer the highest quality bioavailable ingredients at doctor-recommended doses tailored to each unique phase. Preconception, first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, and postpartum and beyond because your prenatal vitamin shouldn't be one size fits all. Sign up for our newsletter at parallelhealth.com to learn more.